Welcome to Let's Talk About Health, an informational podcast that gives you insights on health and fitness from experts themselves that you can apply directly to your own personal health and fitness stories. Come join me today to hear all about what they have to say on health and fitness. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for spending your time. I know you got a crazy busy schedule, meetings, patients, clients, but thank you so much for joining me and just doing this uh, little talk show today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I I like the code, the blazer. Thank you. Got it in Charleston. It's like a good uh, summer, spring, yeah. cool, cool jacket yeah. from there. It's it's that vibe right now. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it has to be in every psychiatrist's wardrobe. Oh, really? Some good blazers. Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Is it like soothing, comforting? Uh, I just think it make you like seem like that old school doctor that could be over you while you're lying down <laughs> and looking, but you know, not looking, but just telling you what's going on with you yeah i can i can see that <laughs> i think i can i can now Ties, start feeling it eyes though and inpatient you got to be careful with ties because they're uh, a risk like that they could be used as a weapon in inpatient psychiatry oh if someone's paranoid or something they will use it as a weapon so <laughs> then you really only have your blazer whereas a lot of physicians that's not something they usually have to worry about in other fields you know they could just like well, yeah. Oh my God. I never thought about that. Yeah. So you have to be very careful about what you're dressing also. Yes. Yes. With less worry about germs, like real doctors, but more about <laughs> as a weapon to choke you if someone is psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> and the inpatient unit. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Let me uh, start by um, asking you the main question. What do you think is health? Oh, that's that's a very good question. So health is what we try to optimize in an outpatient practice, uh, which is basically not just absence of disease, but living your full best life, like mentally, physically, spiritually, I would say. Uh, and then, you know, with, under that mental part, you have like relationships. Yeah. You have your inner peace and spirit again. And, and the mind-body connection can't be underestimated either. Right. How did you decide to get into mental uh, fitness, mental health? Yeah, yeah. Because this is not a field usually like Indian people, <laughs> they see people where yes. traditionally yeah. could go to, they'd say go into real medicine. Yeah. So I trust me, I did look into all those fields, you know, trying to make my parents happy. Yeah. So my parents are actually both doctors, of course. Oh. Uh, dad is cardiologist, mom is neurologist. Mm-hmm. So they would, you know, often have the arguments and People would always ask them, which is more important, brain or heart, you know? <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I was drawn to the brain always. I thought I might either do a neurology like my mom or neurosurgery. But when I went to shadow that when I was at University of Iowa uh, with Matthew Howard, a great neurosurgeon there uh, and his team, it was so, it wasn't for me. Like it was a long surgery, like 12 hours. I went at like 5 a.m., scrubbed in. By eight, nine, I was done. I was like, I'm not doing neurosurgery. Uh, and they had just gotten started, you know. Yeah. It was not for me to stand still and 
I mean, I have all the respect in the world for those. They're like uh, rock stars to me or fighter pilots. Yeah. And they would say the same about us because, you know, they would say, oh, this is not invasive as much as you, what you do. We go inside, right. you know, the mind, the soul. But, you know, I was just really fascinated because it's still like a black box. We don't know a lot, everything about it, I would say. We're knowing more and more, but still on the, you know, very far from everything. And when I was actually in army uh, back in 2000s and saw a lot of PTSD in my medical unit, that really did help me to kind of, you know, inspire that passion that like, I really want to help this. Like I saw what an issue, like this was real. Yeah. Um, I'd never had had much experience with therapy or, or, you know, psychiatry before that. Uh, or, or even the poor medical school, I would say, but I really enjoyed like learning brain and behavior. I thought this is like too easy. Like this is psychology. It's uh, sociology. It's like so fascinating. I was like, you know, this is not, this could be like a hobby, like something you learn philosophy, learn sociology, learn psychology. And of course they are like great, interesting fields. Uh, but you, you know, you see in medicine, it gets very siloed. People will treat just numbers sometimes. Uh, only in our, field really you get the most like time to really get a full history see the whole individual like a 360 degree right um around them you know like biological psychological and social factors and i really enjoy that therapy part i think there's a saying a lot of pe people go into mental health they're really trying to solve something in themselves so yeah uh, so I, I think that going to child adolescent psychiatry going into psychiatry like it's been so good for me as, too as an individual like you solving a lot of things for yourself and everyone in this field, they kind of say that. But I feel that when, when you said that it's a brown, brown parent thing, I feel that. <laughs> oh yeah. I like, to be a doctor it was, too. Once it started being lucrative, then business, then they would say, oh, okay, like my son does psychiatry, you know, has a private yeah. practice. But uh, on average, like, you know, it'd be one of the fields that's not, and you know, this is our yeah. parents, they came with, with nothing five cents in their pocket and mm -hmm. it was very it's very uh incentivized like performance and doing the tough things rather than what feels good to you sometimes or what makes you happy i bet they must be bragging all about you now <laughs> i wish how much did, could you get talk to my to my, my mom and dad about that uh, <laughs> no i i think uh I, I think they they're starting to come around like it's funny because in psych in psychiatry and neurology they were under the same board american board of psychiatry and neurology so my mom would have 20 percent of questions on her neuro exams that were psychiatry and so even then though she would not feel like this is the brain you know like it's yeah this is like this is something else this is this is some woo woo stuff uh, but you know what i think a lot of us have experienced depression, anxiety, lack of focus, more and more people over time. Definitely. And in that sense, I think it made it more, less of a stigma and the younger, younger generation, they're definitely, it could actually flip the opposite where they're trying to diagnose every, people with things when they don't have it and TikTok and stuff like that. So it's been, it's an interesting time in our world. But our, what do you think it's all very good for our field, I think, as far as growing and, and uh, possibilities. Oh, definitely. I think, like you mentioned all most of them have felt depression anxiety i think everybody at some point of their life however strong 
strong you may be but you have you feel those things you definitely have your lowest points your lowest days you go through depression you go through anxiety for different reasons but you definitely go through that and learning to control or just how how you would channel that thing is very important that's why there's a huge respect and like you said that's why it's growing more and more because people are getting more aware about those things why do you think those misconceptions like uh, where do they come from and what what's what's those what are a few misconceptions you come across yeah i would say a big one that's you know from a lot of our parents generation especially uh but i think it's still even you see it in the younger generation gen z yeah uh, is is this idea like it's weak you know to get to need to get help so i think we think that like we all deal with lots of tough stuff in life yeah. lots of uh pain and suffering and it's like wh why can't you just kind of fix this for yourself or deal with it and then what it kind of invalidates is that like some people like genetically they have way more of those thoughts or more of that fight or flight or because of their traumas and experiences and it's a lot of times you got recognize that it's not personal it's it's the what they've learned from their parents or their growing up right right and culturally um and especially in our culture asian culture there's this like be tough pick yourself up by the bootstraps but just as much as in the midwest where i grew up you know yep. and i like it was the same thing so i think it's getting a little less stigma there um it boy boys still it, it's it's there you know yeah. less definitely more patients and and psychology psychiatry therapy or, or for me for medication plus therapy or more women they're you know y'all are more open with being emotionally um intimacy you know and that's why there's way less problems from women typically than men as far as aggression <laughs> i mean there's a lot of reasons right but that was a that's a big one is this men don't really have that space to to be it's it's a very tough balance right fighting that balance between stoicism and masculine masculinity plus being able to be vulnerable talk about your emotions so this is where uh mental health can come in and help i think another one would be you know like i'm, I'm gonna steal something from alex armozi who i love as a businessman but just even like his take on things period he's he says sadness is when you don't see a solution uh and and anxiety is when there's too many options so i think when you can break it down like this like these are human experiences right. and so like the answer to sadness or hopelessness is to like get knowledge and you can find a way from a to z like to your goal and for anxiety too many options like we've all experienced that stress too many things but now like how do you choose so you have mental models to make decisions and then your gut right like and and then you're less anxious right then and i think these are these are good in general like ways to look at those these polls uh you know with adhd you know that's a common being more and more people coming in there's shortages of stimulants yes. especially in our state of florida a big reason is our society we live in right like yeah. things are youtube shorts like instagram and we're on the one we're on right now the platform i love it but <laughs> you know it could be obviously for very good but youtube shorts facebook shorts like we're in a very yeah. uh kind of low we're not 
doing long um, movies as much anymore. We're not right. doing, uh, you know, long conversations as much typically and so on. So I think a lot of things in society push us to have more problems here in these areas. Um, and yet there's this like backdrop of what we've learned of like, you know, deal with it I'm, or you're, the, you're alone with it. Yeah. That's another one. Like I'm the only one. So you can, it can make you isolated more, which could be a vicious cycle then because you'll feel more hopeless and worthless or more avoiding in anxiety terms, you know, and COVID didn't help that mm. either. Mm. It so was, it is a very difficult time though, like societally, culturally, or where we're at, of course. You, you mentioned ADHD. Can you elaborate what's going on? Why, why we are in, and everyone is, I myself in the morning when I wake up, I'll go to, even if there's something important on my mind, I'll procrastinate for some time, keep switching apps, like we were discussing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, why, why is that problem? And what steps, small steps we can take to uh, I wouldn't say prevented, but at least not to fall trap in ADHD. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of it's these, right? They, they make it very, if you live in your phone, a lot more people are like, if you look at your screen time, it, it could give you nightmares for me at least. And a lot of it, yeah, we'd like to think it's work, but if you really broke it down, how much yeah. is it? Right. And uh, so I think this, come being living in this screen, which we weren't designed to do. Like, I think we're in a social experiment really, right? For the last, you know, with the yeah. internet is like the last, what, only like 25 years, really 30 years. Yeah. Uh, with these phones, like since they came, that's when anxiety, depression, self-harm even, suicidality went up. That's when majority of even young people had these phones in their hands. So there's definitely a lot to that. Uh, and I think, I think you know, this idea that it's 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 strong or it's it's good like successful you'll be more successful if you task switch a lot and multitask i think this part and so we're just kind of overwhelmed we're put too much on our plate for the time we have and do as i say not as i do because i do the same thing but i'm trying you know i'm trying to actively work on it um with delegating and so on but i think a lot of it's just the society we live in, especially in America, there's this hustle, hustle culture uh, that doesn't help any. It's, so we're all kind of really, really, we're getting rewarded for performing and there's more and more things you have to do to get to college, to, to get to the dream job you want, to get the mate you want, you know, so and so on and get the, the, the position you want in life. And, and then you have a lot of times in their screens where we normally would have been bored. So I think boredom becomes almost like a superpower. Like if you could go on a walk just with no, no phone. And uh, that's like a goal of mine every morning now uh, to meditate. Like these are like very special yeah. things if you could do these things nowadays, like get away from these screens. Um, and it's tricky because we need them for some things and they're good for some things. And some things they're, they're really just adding to our stress and, and distractibility. So be more poor let's let's just put it that way <laughs> they what Sorry, be 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 more bored just yeah, bore be yourself bored. exactly <laughs> be more bored exactly we'll just be able to 
sit and do nothing is a very is a superpower like nowadays like that's where a lot of creativity comes from and, right. uh you know I'm, I'm i'm torn on this too with my kiddos that are four and five and they sometimes get some ipad time and you know you gotta what i think about is like yeah steve jobs or like chamath like they didn't let their kids use the things that they were making right. uh bill gates like they knew that there's this is not good for them even though they were monetizing it for for millions and billions of dollars you know so yeah makes sense it, i i heard um um term social autism what Ooh. i and it was one year old the parents <laughs> were the baby had one year old baby ha had a big ipad that he couldn't even hold but he was playing and just falling the iPad was falling but he was still playing with it and then the parents are like i went to go say hi and then the baby was throwing the iPad at me and i was like okay he's just you know tired or restless or just let him be and babies usually don't do that sometimes if they're not cranky and so then the parents are like oh he has social autism and we're trying to fight it so i was i was just wondering what that means and what it is all about yeah i mean i would say that there are this subset of of kiddos and and people that have real autism and so right. autism spectrum disorder you know it used to be called asperger's was like high functioning autism mm -hmm. uh then you had like you know autism but now it's just all called autism spectrum disorder and so this would be in boys more than girls yes uh definitely easier to pick up in young uh, kiddos, you pick it up, like they're not making eye contact. Later as, as age, like they're not reciprocating, we say emotionally either, not so just socially with eye contact, but like emotional reciprocity. Um, they're, they're not, you know, vibing with their peers and, and they're more like would get along with adults because they would, sometimes they have savant qualities, like they're very, later they might, you know, you'll see as they get older, not like baby necessarily, but little older they're like very good at memorizing like if you've seen rain man yeah. or they might know lots of it like i have a few uh patients in our autism group they have know tons about history or books and like some are tech you know they have a couple of houses here in ponte Vedra beach and they're just like tech gurus like a lot of the uh people in silicon valley is can really still be successful you know monetarily but they will struggle their wives will make them come for therapy because emotionally, socially, it's difficult with them with emotions. So that that cost. Now, I think what you might also be referring to is just there's so much time in the iPad early. It's mm -hmm. rewiring the brain. It's changing the brain. So people that are actually neurotypical would maybe present neurodivergently. You need the real interaction with humans, with your mama, especially your dad, your your siblings, your you know others, if you can. That would help the development of our our uh, not just our brain but even if you don't have this there'll be failure to thrive period like the baby will not even grow if you put them in isolation so we just are social creatures and we need like real social contact and it's it's strange uh, i don't know if this was happening when i was as much it was happening so for sure with some people in my programming class and stuff they would love video games and just stay on the computer all the time anytime they weren't in class on the computer, talk, all their social relations are there. You see that more now. Yeah. I've, 
Yes. I've seen that more where people say, I have friends and they're like, but none I've met, they're all online. And it's not the same. And it's definitely, I think, gonna be part of some societal problems as far as like, there's less dating, less marriage, less kids. It's, it's not gonna help that, right? Like, yeah. it's keeping, this, this technology that was made to connect us can also keep us apart more. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, the backstory to it, it was that the parents were separated and always fighting. And so they didn't want their kid to see all the fighting and all of that. So they just handed over the So. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, yes, a lot of times I think parents, they will use it as a babysitter. They will use it, in this case, it sounds like to keep them occupied so they will it sounds like in some part of it, it was altruistic almost like i don't want the baby to see us fighting but still obviously better ways to do it definitely yeah. Uh, yeah so american academy of pediatrics has recommendations on the amount of screen time and for like one two it's really just should be like facetime with the grandparents it yeah. should not be maybe a little educational this or that but like really it should be exploring the world like that's how they will and 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 just the communicating with with others and just being around social interactions with others mm -hmm. like they would pick up so much their brains are developing so fast yeah oh talking about pediatrics well what are the common um i wouldn't get yeah, cases that you come across or what are the common uh problems that you see with kids and yeah so the most common things i see with kiddos and teens i would say is like they still can present with anxiety often, but it'll be like very somatic, like stomach aches, uh, you know, headaches, this kind of stuff. In fact, I was interested in GI at some point. I was like, and really like the scopes. It was like a video game to me, going back to video games. I love them too, uh, in moderation. But like the scoping, you know, colonoscopies. Yeah. And I wanted to always work with kiddos. I love kids. Like I had a younger, I have a younger brother, eight years younger. So I always like just enjoyed kids a lot and wanted to help them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and families too, even though that's a lot of people's reason they don't go is they feel too bad for kids or it's the parents, you know, cause and being a parent now, I get it. Like <laughs> that could be where all the stress comes from for the kiddos. Uh, nothing's good enough for their kids, you know, yeah. and it's just dealing with more stress, right. With more people. But any case that GI doc, I, I got to thank him because he said, do you like pediatrics more? Cause you may not, want to go past those three years of pediatrics once you go to med, past med school or internal medicine to go do GI again, the fellowship. So imagine you got married, you had kids, you never know what life holds. You're already like getting to your mid twenties by that point, yeah. once you finish medical school, a few years of residency. So do you like psychiatry more or peds more? And pediatric to me could be kind of get boring a little bit, like a lot of well child visits. You know, I love obviously our pediatricians. Thank you for them. But to me, it was like psychiatry was always more interesting, you know, yeah. It had a lot more. So, and then child psychiatry, he said half of it is GI. And so like, or half, of, I'm sorry, half of GI is child psychiatry. So like in a way you're, you would be doing a lot of GI, uh, pediatrics still. So he was right. Like you would hear that they go to the nurse a lot uh, and things like that. Um, now, depression with kids and teens, they will often be angry. Like people will think, oh, they're bipolar, but that's for mm -hmm. kids and teens. It's a lot easier to be angry than sad. So, right. So they would often be irritable and, but you'll see they'll withdraw, they'll be less motivated. So depression, you know, is next common. 
then you have like ADHD, uh, which like, as you said, like it's, it seems a lot higher than, than the, you know, 10 to 13% that is actually because of, we all can have like certain amount of these symptoms of inattentive, hyper impulsive, but it's like, is your brain actually genetically, is it wired in a way that you are predisposed to this uh, condition? And even if you are, there's ways to make it better, like just behaviorally too, like with exercise, doing an hour exercise a day. Uh, that's actually one another reason that, that there's so many people on stimulant today, not just the pressure, but the way schools are with sit still, it's like almost a factory style. Like, you know, I love our teachers and our schools, but it could be very, especially for boys who are a little more hyper, a little more rambunctious. I know for my son, like he's that way. My daughter cuts it still longer and they're just five, four. You know, it's just the way they're wired. Like they, by taking away recess a lot in schools, you take, you know, the stimulant would do a lot of what exercise would do in a sense, or you vice versa, you know, the, the exercise would, would do a lot of what stimulant would do in terms of calming the person down. Right. And you see this um, diet, you know, if they cut the sugar, cut artificial uh, colors, uh, just eating healthy will do a lot, you know? So there's a lot of things with our American diet that could be better there, more vegetable, you know, more natural foods is just like for everybody is, is better and mentally as well as physically. Uh, and you got autism and like other neurodevelopmental conditions. Right. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder is an anxiety disorder that you see in particular, like in come on around six to eight and in boys more than girls. And you would see that they, you know, the lots of hand washing uh, where they could be scalded their hands. That's the most common contamination, but it could be about like numbers. Like it has to be, I have to do this this many times. Mm -hmm. Like, certain rituals, superstitions, and then ticks often come with that, like movements uh, or vocal ticks. So you hear, probably heard of Tourette's, if someone like suddenly like bang and they might curse, like that's like, that's like ticks, like a verbal tick and a motor tick. So those are common kind of things you see in kiddos and teens. Uh, but bipolar disorder and like schizophrenia, those more come on usually around 18 and above. Right, uh, so, Food, sleep, exercise really plays a big, big role throughout their um, development and growth. They do, but it also helps with mental fitness, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, food. Yeah, these are like, food is like medicine, right? right? Like what you eat. If you eat natural vegetables, like less sugar, uh, not overeat, you know, so a lot of people do intermittent fasting and like for the right, you know, population, like that could be amazing right. uh, as far as mental health too. Um, you know, in, in America, I think we like, we'll have too much processed foods often, too much sugar, uh, not enough physical activity, going back to, I think the work from, you know, from home and in our desks and just that switch to that from the, on the farms, you know, and or blue collar work. Yeah. And then you have, you know, less sleep that come along with the screens and that all the, there's not enough time to get done everything you need to get done. And that's at school too, for the kids, like more and more homework and, and for adults, right? Uh, and then and exercise for sure. Like the people who exercise, like that's probably the best thing you could do to, if you want to like ward off dementia, you want to sleep, get, get, do exercise and, and sleep well, like 
you know, then doing crossword puzzles and, and, you know, these other things like taking new routes and all that next. But we're definitely having like an epidemic really of uh, insulin resistance, you know, from all the sugar going up and down the crashes. And that can be, that's like the uh, predisposing before diabetes. Right. The next, and that just leads to energy and mood, you know, changes. And you could see a lot of irritability and depression and, and anxiety just from that. Um, anyone that's ever like had a huge meal, like, you know, with Thanksgiving is coming, Halloween's even come before that. You know, you get a lot of sugar, like boom, you yeah. crash after that. You'll get hyper and then crash. Or a lot of caffeine is similar like that. Right. Um, and, you know, just heart disease and obesity are, are, are more common than not, not right in today's America. So we definitely have some thinking about how we want to, I think, live our lives on a family and society, then towards societal level. Right. Um, moving from kiddos to teens, what switch of uh, um, problems or um, you come across while you're, you come across cases where teens, they're not, they show different signs of depression, different signs of anxiety, uh, like you mentioned earlier, relationship problems and other things. So how, how would you tackle them and what are the common uh, causes that they exist today? Yeah, so, so the, the teens uh, basically have had increase, as I said, like depression, anxiety, it's gone up steadily over the last decade plus mm -hmm. with, since phones were in most people's hands. And social media is like maybe secondary reason. Uh, definitely didn't help with like FOMO, you know, com comparing. So Teen, adolescence is a is a time we're wired in a certain way genetically to be risk-taking impulsive right. uh, you're kind of trying to fly away from the nest but not quite ready right from the parent the home mm -hmm. uh, and it's that's why it's this very tumultuous time like really only like 15 percent of teens like go through unscathed at least in america uh and a big a big thing with that is like now with phones and, and social media right you're gonna have more chance to get bullied around the clock for when there's cyber bullying, yeah. for instance, versus when it was just bullying at school. So these things yeah. can be exaggerated, like these problems. You can have, uh, you know, we tend to discount the positives and, and focus on the problems as human beings, the creative beings we are. So if you post a picture, that's what, now I like that Instagram was like, you can hide your likes. They yeah. added that in. <laughs> Because like this was probably they know this caused a lot of mental health issues for for people where they were like, oh, someone I didn't get enough likes or, you know, like there's just chances around the clock to be feel like less than. And this is really like our chimp mind, our chimp brain, so to speak, which is like goes quicker than our rational mind. Right. It's for survival, fight or flight. It's like for adolescence, it's all about belonging. And so if you feel like rejected and there's a time of like relationships are very unstable, uh, hormones, you know, and then like everyone's kind of going through some tough changes in their life and right. and home at school, etc. And like that's before all the like pandemic and wars and so on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what happens is you would feel like 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 a chimp if they were alone, they would feel like I'm dead, like because who's gonna watch them when they're sleeping, right? Like you need to be, belong to a tribe. So when a girl says I'm having like drama, like and I feel I don't want you to want to be alive. I'm having some drama with my friends, like a t like teens always say. 
it's it's basically like to them that feels like death like i'd rather be dead like not literally but it's so much pain that i want an escape from this life at this moment right. like it's so hard to handle right and teens you're there's a word called the depressive position they're they're i mean they're not yet in that depressive position where they can see like the good and bad it could be very black or white yeah we call it all or none thinking so a lot of what we call like borderline personality traits and narcissistic personality traits are like part of being a teen yeah. and adolescent so it's a time of naturally yeah. unstable relationships impulsivity <laughs> risk-taking behaviors which could be like drugs and alcohol like pornography like risky sex behavior sexual behaviors like you know it could get more serious it could be like drunk driving yeah. you know it happens all these things um and it's like, like how we're wired like a lot of people are very successful today and i would even admit like i've done some of these things too so like i'm you know a lot of people are successful today adults they had these phases as a teen so you really just want to have parental like supervision of it let them make these mistakes when they're at home have some level of being able to be honest with each other would be good this is actually where american families can do better i think than some <laughs> indian families at least when we were growing up it was like very like no this doesn't happen yeah. this can't happen and it would just be like these double lives yeah. and now with american families they would say like i could tell you could tell me anything which may not be super healthy either all the time but it was like more in the step of like let me help you through this tough period okay. because a lot of it is because those parents had often been through these stages themselves teens and and in like our culture like they grew up in india they they didn't actually like they the culture is just so different it is. they didn't have have the do the drugs alcohol like yeah. sex for me you know like it's it's much it was much less common and much more shunned yeah versus here it's just the it's the norm you're weird if you don't do those things mm -hmm. so so depression anxiety are still huge anxiety in young women is the highest like demographic of mental health issues in society and women are tended to have more neurosis uh as a personality trait like just more thinking more overthinking more worrying and we think this is probably like to be a good mom you know like when the baby is the baby up like in the middle of the night like my wife would get up if is she breathing you know like and it might get a little better the second baby third but like it was all about <laughs> that maternal wiring right. in our evolutionary psychology you know uh and men can be a little more you know rest they're was supposed to be I mean, risk-taking right and historically so you couldn't have worries about and empathy as much or compassion as much for like every tough thing that happened because uh, it would lead you know to the downfall of that tribe or civilization right so a lot of it's just we're wired so differently um adhd i see quite a bit because of a lot of i work in a very like nice area like there's certain areas of this country like dc area new york where you are Mm -hmm. where i am ponte vedra jack's beach like one the best school district best is st john's county where i am best school district in the state and you know there's high standards and yeah. a lot of competition and this can sometimes be on the parents not just on the kids yeah. you know but it could sometimes trickle down sometimes it's the parents and they'd say you know they're very very performance based and this can be a very good thing but it also could be a problem in the sense right because it's it's incentive devising the wrong thing which is performance over character and, and you know that everyone has value just being them and that could make it not see it can make it seem not unconditional love which can lead anxiety about performing and failing which could actually be a negative thing right yes in the big picture so a lot of what we have to do is like reprogram those 
cognitive dis you know reprogram that in the person's mind often adults who grew up with that continually and it gets reinforced over and over yeah. right or it could be uh the good the rewarding thing with working with kiddos and teens is you could change the whole course of this whole family at a younger age like the younger it is actually the better because we can kind of nip these things in the bud and like because no parents got this training manual even knowing all this like i would still fall into these traps sometimes you know where i'm like clapping when my son makes the basket or hits the home run not not when he missed you know over and i have to almost remind myself like don't do that uh, but this has led to a lot of toxicity in youth sports you know there's even been shootings like Popka, where we were recently went to Disney, it was a 11 year old sh shot someone on the football field. Like, I think it just this pressure to succeed and perform, like, can, can, mm -hmm. it's just a, you know, exemplified that how toxic it can be. There's been more of these kind of cases with adults shooting adults. This one became a kid shooting. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's like from all this pressure to perform, to get a scholarship, to parents up and living vicariously through their kids, thinking their kid will be an NBA or, or, you know, the, the um, in the cinema, uh, whatever, uh, <laughs> symphony, you know, like my kids would be the best and yeah. it, it could be, be that, that, that negative side, that double-edged sword. Too much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's where I would tell people like parents and I, I, you know, remind myself too to do this sometimes, like I said, is tell them your kids, like there's three rules do your best, have a good attitude, and love you no matter what. You know, and like, yeah. if you could carry this with it, like you see the smile light up on their face, on your kid's face, and they would know they could fail. And actually that makes them all powerful, like invincible. The, because they know like, no matter what, my mom or dad like love me. And, you know, I would tell this some parents sometime and they would like, nope, they gotta get all A's. <laughs> but it was because often how they were raised. Yeah. And, so, but it does create that anxiety and that, that tension then between the parent and the child, uh, where they, they get to the teen years and they, it may, they may not want to follow all the rules, but if you have this better relationship where you're giving praise for the things they do well, and you're rewarding it and you're noticing it and you're listening, then you will have such a better relationship. You're more likely to have that 15% of teens that do well, like, you know, of course there's genetic factors and and so on and that but i'm just saying in terms of like behaviorally there'll be less like uh there'll be more transparency and just a better relationship which yeah. is ultimately the biggest thing you know i i just remembered uh an incident uh i i was i was the one to pressure myself i was always like i want to overachieve just get do like yeah i was yeah. just a typical teen uh female Mm -hmm. <laughs> overthinking always uh oh, no i want to do best and i want to uh get a plus blah 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 just be the uh and i was i was uh the ranker of my university but too much pressure so my dad is like one subject give me one subject where you're failing just fail it one <laughs> go dad <laughs> yes we have people like this too that are very perfectionistic yeah. and uh, their pressure is coming more from themselves. Yeah. So people are wired differently this way. Like it might be identity. Like this is where I want to stand out is like, I am the smart one or something, you know? And my friend group or at home, like this is because you do get rewarded all over the place for succeeding. 
and whether it's basketball or school or you know being in the best in the band like yeah. you will get rewarded for it um so in, in this these homes it's like the parents are like no i want you to go party <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah I, you know what i usually recommend even in adults and kiddos to do this is like pick i did this the other day with someone who was like she was like amazing in gymnastics and then she left it it was kind of toxic uh, as it is sometimes in that sport uh and she she was like not wanting to do anything she couldn't be the best in because that was how she wired like a lot of people in gymnastics or yeah. just a lot of young women more so than even men are like this i think and what, what happens is you want to really set something like can you do an activity that you don't care about the result like don't measure it like whether it's just painting or music like go play guitar but like it doesn't matter how good it is and it's a rewiring again of the brain like you are good as you are like as a human being you have value and so like you don't have to perform to be good enough you yeah. just are good enough being you and if you if someone heard this growing up continually it would be way more likely to be internalized so that's something for like if you're you know are you a mom no <laughs> okay so what you have your kids if you do in the future like they remember this hopefully <laughs> i will call you <laughs> sure yeah I'll definitely discount <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think um we were discussing so much about family what do you think about uh the family aspect especially incorporating the uh competitive helicopter parents that like mm -hmm. you were mentioning before how how we could change that norm from a society where the parents are not competing for their own kids mm. oh gosh this is a big one okay yeah. uh well i think it's important to remember like a lot of the problems that parents are facing thing today that they're worried about like they're they haven't really grown it's just we know more about them from like constant yeah. media so for instance like like my wife we live like less than a mile from the schools that they my kids would probably if we stay there they would go to good schools near us and i said when they grow older like they could bike there you know because when i was a kid we'd bike even like first second grade like me and my friend we'd go bike like five, four miles or so to school. Like it would be across the big, like busy streets, then like through bike trails that were empty and there, you know? And so I was like, this is on a busy road, like just on the sidewalk. She was like, no, no, someone might grab them, you know? So yeah. it's like, then I kind of went to that. Well, actually statistically, there's not more, you know, <laughs> kidnappings nowadays than before. It's just like, there is this, it's kind of like a cliche now, like parents don't let their kids go outside as much. Mm -hmm. It's more in home. And, and, and then their screens to keep them busy so it's like really restricting their world and again like not giving them the chances to go like fail in social interactions or to play like street you know we played all the sports in our neighborhood together and there would be like you know fights like not necessarily like real real fights right but like disagreements and you would have like verbal fights altercations you'd have like you know sometimes things would get heated this is how you learn how to negotiate these situations uh so i think it's important to remember like obviously you know keep supervision and make sure your kids safe but like there's some level of risk to being a parent and one thing i tell all parents and again i'll remind my, myself sometimes too is 
it's the most uh, anxiety provoking and anxiety relieving thing, depending how you take it. So I hope it's more relieving is like, we don't matter that much as parents, like statistically, what we found is like half is genetics, which is basically built in. So that's yeah. just choosing your person wisely. <laughs> um, but once you have the kids, that's built basically in. Right. And half is like who they're hanging out with, which you could have something to do with that by like going mm -hmm. to a nice area. But it's really about like, who do you want your kids to hang out with? Like the top people in school? Or is it like the best character people? Like, what do you really want the most for your child? Right? Like, because in the end of the day, like what matters the most? But sometimes I think we flip this because of what we see rewarded. Yeah. When we see Lambros on Instagram. <laughs> Not take a shot at Instagram. It could be on YouTube too or any Facebook <laughs> or whatever, Snapchat. But you know what I mean? Like in society, we'll like reward these, the wrong things, the false idols, as we call it, which is like money, power, status, and like impulsive pleasures. Like the things that don't really bring happiness, but are kind of like sugar, it's like Halloween coming again. Like it's like sugar for, for, for what we think it is, uh, symbols of that. And then really it's about more like family, friends, like faith, and some, even if it's not like God, it's like, do you believe, do you care about like, again, philosophy, Greek philosophy, stoicism, like things outside of your world so it can keep it interesting and you can yeah. see it's bigger than your world, right? And just learning and then work, which is from mainly like the purpose part of it or the social part of it, uh, meaning, right. purpose, you know? So these are the things that are more important. So a kind of like a lot of the incentive structure we have though is like geared almost to those false idols, right? Like that's the like, easy stuff uh the lower hanging fruit so to speak yeah and, and so i don't know if i totally answered your question <laughs> i'm trying to think what the original question was now just oh, how, look at parents yeah. Do, yeah so just what incentivizing character uh you know we call it pride skills just to give a acronym for your viewers because okay so for young kids two to seven the top gold standard therapy for like behavioral issues, we call it oppositional defined disorder or conduct disorder. If there's more like criminality, like stealing, fire, setting fires, lying, you know, oppositional defined is often like comorbid ADHD, but it, it's more beha the behavioral part, not the like neurological, biological part, just like misbehaving, arguing and so on, right? At school or home. So one, the top treatment for this is called parent-child interaction therapy. So basically what we would do is as a therapist, we would have a one-way mirror, like kind of like you see in TV with the, at the police station when they look and see the interrogation. So the parent and the child, and we first take them through child-directed play, which is like every, so, so this is something that they model uh, here and we give them feedback and then they practice for the week between or the two weeks between till the next session. And the more they practice, of course, is when there's more results and you see yeah. the behaviors improve. And so, we kind of are pushing pride skills, which again, we didn't get a manual as parents. They're very, they're not intuitive. Like you have to think about it. So we will try to get them, the one that's not being used enough up. And we will talk into the mic in their ear to be like, hey, do more, more descriptions, more. So like basically, let me tell the pride what they are. So P is praise and it's like specific praise over general, like not just great job, but like, you know, great job putting, like if you're doing stacking blocks with your son, let's say. You'd say like, great job stacking that block on, on there. Uh, R, reflecting. So reflecting back what they say, you would reflect back, right? And again, this works for adults too. This applies to everybody. <laughs> if you want your partner to do more of something, you would praise right. it. And we got to remember this too. Uh, it's too easy. 
but it's easier said than done at the same time. Right. I imitate, you know, so like if in the play, if your son put the, uh, you know, blue leg go on there or my daughter, like she'll play with Barbies and stuff. So she'll do it with, and her version of it, like you would al also kind of do something similar with the doll that you have or the, or the block you have. Uh, D describes, so, oh, you're putting the blue block on there. You're building a window, you're building a door. Uh, or you're putting Barbie inside the, the dream house, you know, and then E enthusiasm, like you want that throughout the whole play to show. So again, it's all positive attention. If you, and this is all we need to do is 10 minutes of special time. We call it a day. If you, if you just do this 10 minutes of special time a day with, and you try to like enhance these pride skills. So the first half of the therapy for the first several weeks is increasing those pride skills in the parent and you will then clean up because you're just it's all for them just to show love like unconditional love basically positive attention yeah. because what happens is when kids act up it's usually it's often to get attention yes because people they would rather get negative attention and punishment over no attention and yeah. so a lot, a lot of times with our busy both parents are working you know just so much things happening we will not give them, you give them an iPad, again, that social autism. Yeah. We will not give them enough attention. So they would actually act out to get the attention because that's how much need we have for that love, right, from our parents. And and for attention, like that's the number one thing is to be seen, right, and validated. So that's kind of what we try to do is increase. And the parents that don't, don't do it, they're not, their kids' behavior don't get better. And it's like, you got to find the 10 minutes, like that's it, you know? And you try to do it with each kid if you can and each parent hopefully if you could but at least one parent with with the kids and then and the second stage is like the parent side of it which is like teaching punishment which is time out you're removing attention so but not physical you know corporate punishment not yelling so they would and trying to get rid of this toxic vicious cycle of yeah. they act out so then there's yelling or or sometimes phys it gets physical like less i think these days in the past but it still happens yeah um and then, you know, it leads to more acting out again. And, and also you're modeling them that physical is okay. So they get more fights and it's just like a vicious cycle, right? But like, instead you're going to put them in timeout for 10 minutes. And like, if they got up and get out, like you will just put them back. You will not give them attention. You'll only will like put hands on them, like to stop them if they were like trying to hurt somebody, mm -hmm. trying to run across the street, do something dangerous. But otherwise you're not. So this is actually kind of maybe a shift that is happening more for the good. I think with mm -hmm. young people, like still not enough, right? But like, mm -hmm. it's maybe even too far of sometimes like having to explain everything too much, but uh, but at least it's like a little more respecting, like with the young people, we might have to, they're not necessarily soft. Like people say like every generation will know they're soft. It's like, no, you, they just want to be explained to like, you know, and a lot, a lot of that might be just from their tech advantage over older people, like there's kind of a weird shift happening in society there where like the hierarchies get shifted in this way. Yeah. But uh, in any case, this is just works and for friends and, and uh, your partner and whoever else, like if you want to make people feel seen and respected and have a better relationship, you would, you would apply these things, right? Like, so it's just, you know, we're, we're making it systematized in this parent-child interaction therapy and that's actually the best treatment to help behavior. So, but you can do this even at teens. You just may not be doing blocks and Barbies. You might be doing, they're playing their video game or right. you're going out to, you're just having a conversation while you're getting your nails done or something with, with the mom, with their daughter or something, you know, like 
it could still, yeah. it's just be, keeping that communication, that healthy communication. You're still doing things for them uh, and showing like, like you know, they're mad or they, you love them yeah. unconditionally. So the principles will stay the same. It, it just the activity will change. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it may not be exactly like we're imitating, right? Like in the way that you could with the, the games with the kids, but you're, it's, you're still having the same idea of like you're enthusiastically enjoying this time. You're doing it for them. And in fact, because what happens sometimes when the kiddos or teens are acting out, there will be a, this fissure and it'll just be this vicious cycle. Right. And it will not get better. So you almost have to be like, let's set some rules, consequences, expectations, maybe write them down, like have the teen as a part of it. And like, of course the parent you're in charge, but this is kind of a lot of what it is. It's like, Right. with problem behaviors or uh things like that it's like like we expect some level of this as team but of course you want them to learn like this is all like the school like of life right like we're gonna set these rules expectations and consequences and if they're honest they come to you they acknowledge doing something wrong like hey i drank a lot of this party can you come pick me up maybe you will punish if that's against your rule or yes you know smoke weed or whatever like if they're honest about it, tell the truth, you will give a lesser punishment because you will say, thank you at least for being honest. Like, you know, capture the praise. We yeah. learned this with, we trained our puppies initially before we had kids. It was like, they would say, capture the praise. If they do something good, be like, good yeah. sit, you know? Yeah. Good quiet, you know? Uh, just kind of similar idea, like we could use with people. It's, it's just very like, it's, it's like Oscar and conditioning, rewards and punishments. Yeah. Class, yeah. It all comes down to old school yeah yeah exactly skinner would be very happy <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about what, what are your insights about family therapy yeah, yeah so family therapy is one of the toughest parts of of like psychology psychiatry mm -hmm. uh because again so i think it's fascinating though like i think i think anyone that studies child psychiatry you is family psychiatry so yeah it definitely makes you better with all ages though because a lot of the mental health psychology is developed early mm -hmm. and that you carry your parents with you as Freud said yeah the ghosts in the nursery he called it um they're with you still like those voices in your head like a lot of times it's mom or dad and so what actually i would say one of my favorite things to do with people that helps them the most is do what we call like a genogram which is like a family tree maybe going up to between you if you have a partner and your kids you know even your pets sometimes because they're like your kids mm -hmm. and then you go up to like your your parents and then your grandparents like generations and you put all the people on the on the big board right and instead of like just uh you know how old they were what the job was like when did they die like that basic kind of demographic information you put the the psycho psychological like patterns that happened generation to generation like okay mom was closer to this kid dad was there was conflict between this aunt and and this and your dad like you know what i mean and you kind of like you look at where there's conflict you look where there's cutoff like they're no longer talking uh and you look where there's like overvalued relationship like almost codependency and you see these patterns like repeat themselves generationally and this is how you see trauma like generational trauma, I probably heard that term. You see it repeat over and over because you're taking those experiences with you and the purpose of therapy is to bring this into the consciousness so you could make different choices. Yeah. And the idea of this is like, 
when you understand yourself as part of a system, not just individually, like most classic psychology is about the individual. And this is, but there's also this, how you fit in a system as we're social creatures. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's school, whether it's work with politics, it's really like big families. So if you first, it's, you're seeing people in their roles, how they were in their family often. Like one of the protector, this one is the, is the creative one, like who would, or who wants a superstar. Like you see them bring the same thing with them where they, what? through life. Wow. And it's very interesting. So if you can kind of work on yourself within your family, where it's the most emotional valence, as we call it, it's the most difficult. If you can navigate that, understand yourself within that and make, at least have relationships with everyone in the family, like yeah. where you reach out to them if possible. If there's trauma, then it can kind of, you have to set some boundaries yeah. sometimes. But cutoff often happens and it's like, it could be ego, it could be, but a lot of times when you kind of do this, it will get better because people realize like, they're not thinking of you less when you're not talking to them for 10, 15, 20 years. They're yeah. thinking of you more. And it's just like energy that, that you're giving away to get a little woo woo. Yeah. Like, you're, it's just taking, it, if it's anger that you're holding, if, you know, it's, it's hurting you. And so a lot of times it's like, how can you set a boundary, but like not, but forgive to not hold on to this resentment. Um, and then also kind of to see like, oh, this is, oh, this could be why I'm this way because of how I grew up. This is why my parents are this way. This is my, because they're great. My grandparents were this, way. you know, like you can have a lot of empathy to people. So this is where we call being highly differentiated. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like if I talking to you, I'm seeing the whole genogram yeah. in a way like with you, like you're a product of all these other things in the system. And when you do that, you can even the people that a lot of therapists even hate working with like borderline personality, narcissistic personality, you could have even empathy there because you could see, well, there's biological, but there's all this psychosocial factors too that kind of come from their upbringing. Like a lot of, I, I'll say this, like a lot of, people who grew up in the 70s there was a lot of trauma it was a lot of live and let live yeah there's drugs like a lot of you know kids um you know you would call it today it'd be like egregious like pedophilia almost like just sexual assaults and stuff you know it was a lot of these things happening very commonly and they still happen of course and they might have been an uptick recently actually internationally but uh it leads to then often these obviously anxiety, depression, internalizing PTSD. Those are the people who come for help, but then it leads to the borderline personality, narcissistic personality in their society too, where they don't have empathy and these become then parents, they have kids. So, you know, you can just repeat generationally then as you see. Yeah. If, so that's why it's best to go get help to, to, you know, if it's not with a mental health professional, like someone in your religion, you know, your church, uh, it's, you can't have, have your family member as your therapist that sometimes will it's only call problem you're too close to it to see it and obviously it can cause issues where they can say no that didn't really happen or something you know because it's it's basically something it's not personal it's it's like bringing up something in them like i failed you as a mom if i let that happen to you or something you know so this is where you can't and that's where you know really therapists can can do so much good i love the idea but my question is with the genome the the genome mapping gram yes uh are we doing it with the fat with the teen we're doing it with the mom with the dad with the whole family usually just the 
I would usually just deal with my patient or the client okay. himself, uh, at least initially, because you don't want that to be informed by other people's opinions, right? At, that, at first, at least, you want to hear their perceptions. Right. Because, like, it's perceived trauma sometimes, right? Like, I didn't feel validated by my mom or dad. I felt like they just only gave me love when I succeeded at soccer or, some, or when I got an A. If, if then you brought the parent in, they would just poo-poo that, you know, and be like, no, no, that's not true. Like, I love you, you know, so they get defensive. And so you, I would always talk with the, if it's a kiddo or teen, like them first and draw it out. Then I would say, hey, like, I might then refer to that. You know, what I, what I usually do is like, actually, not as much with kids maybe, but more as they get older, like teens and adu adults, uh, like talk to your family members right. and get a sense of like how it was for your parents or grandparents because they actually love talking about it usually yeah sometimes they won't because there's so many skeletons in the yeah. closet so to speak <laughs> but they usually would like love it like and you and if you ask why it's not like oh because you know i want to fix this family or something you say right. or to be your therapist it's because like and and don't pass judgment on it. say it's like i want to just work on myself but right. the interesting thing is as you improve yourself and i tell people this in advance it will often cause anxiety in the system if, if there's any change in the system even if it's a positive one it could cause anxiety in the system and this can be of course because like oh like oh this person thinks they're too good for now like or they're being too robotic because yeah. they're not kind of like acting in on the codependency or, or the conflict anymore so it could make someone else feel less than like almost like if you left them behind they'll make them feel worse about themselves or like, you know, something's wrong with them or, or like you're being cold. That's a common one. Like you're being cold because you're saying no, like they want you to get, they're used to like love being shown yeah. like through argument and a lot of families <laughs> yelling, you know, a lot of families like we uh, yell a lot, we argue a lot. Uh, and that's almost how love is shown. So if you were to kind of like stay calm and like, I'm a, let's come back to this later. Like, let's think about this and come back to it and talk about it calmly, they would almost, <laughs> be upset or something like you know like you don't care about them or because that's not what they're used to yeah. that love was shown to them by criticism or by yelling right so, so those are kind of some interesting points about genograms i don't know did that answer your question yeah but uh, what about the ones that you said like uh while doing this you are self-aware about yourself i love that and i can see actually when we sit down and like you said we we think about these things deeply we sympathize with how our parents grew up our uncles and aunts grew up why the uh why they don't communicate anymore why they're blocked out blah 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 but how do we improve on it like and should we improve on it or just let things be just be self-aware oh that's a very good question <laughs> because of every single day I, I did today a few times too so one big thing is to you work on yourself as you said like you change as gandhi says like be the change right uh it is the same idea uh that helped change the world like change india for sure at least in the world uh be the change so don't try to change and fix anyone else you can't it would it would just cause you like a serenity prayer which i have like up on my wall and every in my home my mom had at the bridge i really and it starts every 12-step meeting all around the world every hour starts with the 12 with serenity prayer because it's so important like the serenity accept the things i cannot change it just includes what anyone else says or does like of course you can influence it by being open and honest and respectful 
you can have the best chance if you go halfway and compromise with people and then they're most likely to come back to you but they could still give you hate yeah. you know and they, they could still reject it because of and then it's not you it's them often right like here's the thing a lot of what 90 percent, i would say of what how people operate is emotional it's unconscious yeah. it's based on like that early childhood these roles you played your early experiences therapy is is there and some people are very psychologically minded where they've been able to do some of this just journaling or meditating and right. you know kind of figure some of this out or, or have good friends and family they can talk to about it and figure this stuff out but and some are just you know very introspective but usually it's pretty hard because we have so many blind spots to ourselves. Yeah. so what happens is you work on changing yourself with the help of, of somebody or doing the, all these other therapies that we've talked about already um you try to be the best you can be it will often cause anxiety like i said to other people in this system that are feel threatened by that or like just just change like change is the hardest thing for people like people would often feel rather feel you know un, uh like negative thing happening than than change like that'd be more uncomfortable they'd rather suffer than be uncomfortable yeah. you say. uh and this is where you see people going the same patterns over and over of relationships of you know what they're drawn to it's what we call like a repetition compulsion the idea is like i would change this situation fix this person then it would change it would fix my childhood but it yeah. doesn't it's just a, like a fantasy so you just people will just keep putting themselves back and back with like a trauma traumatic situation alcoholic partner like you know narcissistic or borderline you know toxic and it's really when you kind of confront that like you here it's almost you have to use your brain and mind that's where therapy can help to like kind of shift your emotional right. state but otherwise you'll be drawn to it emotionally because it's comfortable it's it's familiar so yeah the key is to really see you change yourself and then don't worry about changing others they will often then change when it's really healthy sometimes it takes time then i was have the parents say oh i want to come even though they didn't believe in therapy or right. mental health now they were like oh i see my daughter's doing so much better i see my wife's doing better like i want whatever they're having even though they're so skeptical right because it's a lifetime of you know skepticism that was drilled into them and just uh they would they would even be like hey like it worked for them i and i i want to i'm ready to do that work because it takes work right to to make that, that leap and you can't change anybody else they, unless they want to change um and so and this is a, like another key thing with the genogram and and just self-awareness is triangles this is something i was talking about with someone earlier today i was thinking because and you can it kind of comes up for everybody probably every day is like you just want to have like one as i said one-to-one -one communication with each individual on the board right if you look at it like a big board and not gossip right like we're because a lot of times the mom especially in our culture <laughs> the mom would talk to you about the sibling or the aunt and then like a friend right which is fine like but you would if you were to weigh in and like things like that you would just worsen yeah. the situation and so the best is to be like hey like you know to kind of neutralize like i'm listening i'm listening but like i would not necessarily say anything negative about auntie or <laughs> uncle you know or or my brother or whatever right like i would just say oh, okay like maybe you should talk with him about that yeah and so that's when you create good boundaries and like healthy boundaries and you don't worsen create a triangle because that's you right. know that's the telephone game that happens too with 
between friends and family. Like, you know, this person said this and this and this, and like, it just creates drama, right? You're gonna ruin so many aunties. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so true, but you know, yeah, people, they will have more, more friends and like more positive relationships in the end yeah. because that, that gets around, right? Like ultimately, like people know who those people are that would like talk behind their back and like, and then there's a trust broken there and eventually it'll come back because like gossip is, is a part of human nature too. So if someone will like eventually bring it back, like you have to assume. I, I don't see, although, you know, I don't see the ego break in such people like they wouldn't let go or they wouldn't accept how how do you i mean that pisses me off sometimes i'll be honest that just sit down listen there's a reason why therapy is important or there's a reason like you need to let go of your ego and hear what others have to say but they're just too stubborn to let those things go what do you do mm. in that's a big one that's a big one yeah hmm. okay a couple of things one is like i'm thinking first when you think about ego like we usually think about like narcissism yeah and and that cluster b personality is what we call like narcissistic personality borderline personality histrionic personality mm -hmm. so there's tend to be like lack of empathy and ego but it's actually low ego functioning except for the grandiose narcissism like a lot of your politicians and yeah. you know bosses they're going to be like very extroverted very likable charismatic but like you know i'm the best at this and but there's still like up up and insecurity underlying it yeah um so they're kind of like boasting themselves right like an arrogance not instead of confidence which is like just you could be down to earth and like knowing you're good um so and then you know if you were to shatter that ego they would disintegrate like they would rage we call it narcissistic rage so you gotta tread carefully here um i would say like so in the therapies there's a therapy way and then the non-therapy right so like let's just say like in the real world you want to give people like responsive have them take responsibility like i like jo i love jocko willings you know he's a navy seal and now he's wrote a book uh about ownership extreme ownership which i love which is great as like a leader you know business owner yeah. um and you know he was a navy he would teach navy seals he was a navy seal he was a, but he would teach leadership in navy seals and so it was this idea of like everything that happens like the buck stops here right like radical ownership and this is you know a thing that i think is a problem these days because victimhood can be, be kind of monetized right so it's taking full responsibility for your life even when it really wasn't your fault yeah which is a huge one. Like you, yes, you had trauma from, you know, the other kids at school were bullying you, your parents, they didn't show unconditional love always, or were they invalidating or even worse, you know, you had maybe sexual assault, like you have all these re reasons that you could fall apart uh, and say like, this is why. And you hear this getting pushed sometimes by like leaders, right? And it's very, it's not good for society overall it's I, this shouldn't even be controversial though because like most i would say anyone that's successful for the most part like does have to take responsibility at some point and say i'm responsible like yes this stuff happened to me and i can change my circumstances right and 
and that includes like so looking at what happened to you that's not your fault and not and working in therapy to remove the shame that you might be feeling that's like actually a cognitive distortion see psychologically we would want not want to be victims actually so a person who said had a lot of sexual abuse like i've had like, kiddos like sexual abuse they would have a lot of shame yeah actually like they did this but the perpetrator would kind of tell them that but you know keep it a secret also but like you know even if they didn't it would just this idea of like i did something to bring this on myself because i didn't fight back or something and that's just actually the trauma response it's like a freeze because it's scary and like we have to really like kind of get in there and talk about it slowly and carefully of course treading you know with a mental health professional that knows what they're doing to really kind of like go unpack that and be like well did you really like want like was it really that you were wanting that or was it that you couldn't push back because of like the way the body responds to trauma and like kind of really unpack that you know um and so there's a piece of like there's people who feel shame about things that aren't their fault or they need to like forgive themselves even if it's something that did they did do wrong and the idea is like forgive yourself but learn from it and grow yeah right like and so that's the idea with therapy is like we're not trying to beat you're not wanting to beat yourself up for it so much as like learning from it and growing of course if you did something immoral like if you want to live the best like stephen covey said like in seven habits of highly effective people like be principle centered so to me that's like the north star like being character integrity centered yeah not performance or you know with all the things like rewards that come with that or even family like most moms like they'll be like families first you know which is good but i think even before that you have like principles because if your child did something wrong you would still want to tell them they did it wrong like even if it hurt their feelings for instance like you would put that character thing over even family right, right. so it could get tricky when the values seem close you know but ultimately like you would want, want to work with people to if they did something wrong like you would want to feel some guilt and shame like a psychopath a sociopath wouldn't a narcissist like they may not not actually feel bad they don't have that empathy right. um or they they you know their their wiring could be such that they don't know they're it's warped at least right from wrong but that's when you get into the you know, psychopathy and sociopathy which are interesting topics too but it's like okay don't beat yourself up but what what can you learn from this and grow and then you might you have to make amends if you did do something wrong right like and accept that and that's part of the but like you know most people's big successes come after failure yeah. so you got to like keep that big picture in mind like you will actually grow more if you are humble and vulnerable enough to really try to work on your, yourself and, and figure out what could be better and like if things aren't working out for you the way they that you wish they were like it, it's like a sum total of all your experience till now if you want to change them like you got to change yourself yeah. you got to change your circumstances you got to change yourself so making different decisions but often like we you know carl jung called it like you could kill the old self almost and create a new one and that therapy can do that uh and there's a, like just going through tough things sometimes can do that you go to a vipassana retreat for 10 days like it can do a little of that you know yeah. like just there's an interesting uh paradox things that are difficult like hard work for toward a goal uh exercise uh cold water plunge you see is a very popular these days it increases dopamine painful things increase dopamine yeah. impulsive pleasures like watching porn playing video games substances they're going to increase the dopamine in the short run but then it's going to crash you're actually going to have more pain 
from it. So there's a like things that are like impulsive pleasure are actually going to be lower your dopamine in the big picture. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a continuing having goals, you know, that's going to be actually a continual dopamine. Right. So it's, it's like a paradox and you see that like obviously play on society a lot of times. We were discussing about trauma. What, what are your um, inputs about PTSD? Yeah. So PTSD, whew, this is, Trauma has been really my obsession over the last several months because just seeing more and more of it and like how it wasn't necessarily getting better for people as well. Like, even though we have lots of great treatments and this, this kind of led me to like to a pivot to doing more psychedelic assisted therapy. Yeah. I'm starting with ketamine assisted therapy, which is very effective, you know, gold standard for treatment resistant depression, mm-hmm. but even helps like PTSD and uh, as well as addiction and, and pain. So it's been around now for a couple decades, but it's getting a little more mainstream. It's the one legal in Florida. Then you have psilocybin, MDMA, like these, they're getting more studies. All the big universities are really jumping in this space and the whole like industry really. I think, I think there is a pivot happening. And it's funny because these are actually agents that have been around since like the 60s, 70s when they were doing experimentation of the LSD mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and, you know, like just the whole like Woodstock era, I was like love, peace. And it was like a lot of these drugs were commonplace, but now it's like, oh, wow. Like these are really good agents to like for healing. Yeah. And so I've really like dove in, done a lot of ketamine assisted therapy and even building this community really like locally and just internationally, nationally and internationally of people of like people who are interested also in this to like make the process the best it could be for trauma. Because what happened is with normally like, like I'd work with some people every week or two or monthly for like years, but they would not have as much gain as like with a session or two of the, the psychedelic like and doing the therapy. Because the, the psychedelic would allow like you to go past those defenses that we normally have. Or nor- part of PTSD is avoiding avoiding the triggers, avoiding even talking about it, what's happened to you. So people, even though they seem okay, they would never really go totally underneath and massage the knot of the trauma that was causing them to continue to have have like panic attacks, like in the body, like we say the body keeps the score. You know, one of the best sellers in in recent years in trauma work, Uh, we, the the trauma will go into the body, cause more like physical health issues. But even the fight or flight, like heart racing, nausea, yeah. we got a lot of IBS, autoimmune conditions. Like there, a lot of them are based in trauma. Actually, me- physical health conditions, medical conditions, late in later life, like the ones that are responsible for most mortality, they're increased by trauma, early tra- childhood trauma, more than even uh, psychiatric conditions. Right. So this is something I learned from, from uh, Dr. Porges, who lives nearby, Steve Porges, who developed... Uh, and his daughter, Lourdes, who works at University of Florida, they developed the safe and sound protocol and the polyvagal hypothesis. So a lot of, they're neuroscientists. And that's something I really learned more from him more and more about. But with the, so we all kind of put our heads together. What's the best sorts of therapy? There's EMDR, the eye movement desensitization. Like, can we pinpoint the path of the trauma and disconnect it from the depression, anxiety, the PTSD? You know, you could have the memory, but still, but you're not, you know, having a panic attack or getting depressed 
or, or when you have that. Um, you know, today it was really rewarding. Like right before I talked to you, I did a ketamine therapy with a with somebody uh, I talked. I've been working with for years, and like to see real. She said for the first time since she was fourteen, like she's like twenty two now. First time since she was fourteen, she was able to hear a song that reminded her, of, like you know, a traumatic partner in the past, like, like kind of set off like the original uh, kind of trauma that happened for her was with a ex-boyfriend and then it led to several other things you know because they weren't it wasn't totally dealt with and she said i was able to finally hear this song that reminded me of that and not like walk out of the grocery store like i was able to hear it had chills for a second and then it went away and the reason is because we during the ketamine therapy there's an ego disintegration yeah there's a feeling of connection that the drug does so it alters the consciousness in a way that you are able to like have a, a dissociation Association mm -hmm. experience, but that taps into the unconscious, which is what are a lot of the, you know, you could rewire the body and mind. That's where a lot of the memory is, but it's right. very Freudian psychoanalysis, psychodynamic therapy in that place. And then afterward, adding in like art therapy, as my friend Amy, which really like she teaches me about um, ITR, which is like a derivative art therapy for trauma that she's certified in, that right. that increases the, that, inc that optimizes the therapy further than even talking about it is like art because it's a whole brain activation. So just kind of, we're trying to put together the best process, me and um, trying to build this community up and it's growing. Like a lot of people are very interested in this. I think it is the future of our field. Let more, less suppressing with medication, which obviously has its place still and more, because not everyone can do this therapy, but and more like evocative, like let's actually go into the darkness and actually deal, process some of the things that have happened. And the, it literally going to your question about ego, it's ego disintegration. Like you are going inside and you are gonna have empathy even for the person who did those things. Yeah. And that would actually help you grow, move on because they're no longer like, like the boogeyman with you. You would say, oh, they were only like 16 at the time. And they had a family like that and kind of some of the same concepts from the genogram again. Mm -hmm. It's all go back to empathy and then a lot of people, they say those psychedelic experiences, that's where they really realize what life was all about. Because you feel this warmth, this love and connection feeling, and you realize that that's what it's really all about. And they can take that with them often, you know? And so this is really like what's powerful. And then there's just lots of uh, neuroplasticity, a lot of growth factors get activated by this as well. So suicidal thoughts can go, but it's also like just psychologically, socially, like lots of change can happen. So you really can have lasting results and not needing to put medicine, you know, and just kind of reduce symptoms. You can really like get to the causes of these root causes of the symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, and lower it because you've processed it through an exposure. And, that's, and these other things just kind of make it even more pronounced, more accelerated. And so that's what I'm about, like, what's the best treatment that has lasting results? not where it's just like a temporary fix or your forever patient going to therapy forever. Like how can we get people like really better and not have these situations again? So you think like, like art therapy, I was reading about music therapy very recently. Yeah, music too. Yeah. So we do the music during the ketamine sessions. And I mean, there's like separate just art therapy, music therapy, because again, they're art and creative pursuits. Like they activate the whole right. brain. So right. when you process things, exposures, during the, at that time, like it's gonna be a greater uh, healing right. because left brain is really 
you know, talking is really only activating mostly yes. left brain. But when you do like music, art, creative things, you're going to right brain. And that's why meditation again helps so much too in itself, like a form of cognitive behavioral therapy right. that can really like, well, and also just the phenomenology, we call it like the, what's happening, the experience in the brain, the phenomenon is you're disconnecting the brain. Like as much as we glorify the brain and the mind, and this, you see this in the ketamine therapy or meditation. As much as we glorify the thoughts in the brain, especially in like Western society, like it's it's really like you're the soul, like you're not your brain, you're not your thoughts. A lot of our thoughts are like irrational. A lot of our thoughts are not helpful. So that's the purpose of like cognitive reframing, which I've done a lot of work with. I've put it out on my, I've posted about it. You know, if anyone's interested, reach yeah. out. I'll, we could go through it. Cause that's like the first thing that's easy. is just like, what are your thoughts when you're anxious or down? And let's like reframe those. And you can then help your anxiety or depressions. It was just applies to everybody, but like the amount of self-defeating beliefs you have, like everyone has some, you can help that tremendously just from that. And when we kind of combine it with the psychedelic on top of it, now you really can even have more, you're basically, we're dissociating like the thoughts, like they're not having thoughts anymore so much. It's the brainstem, just the lizard brain of like fight, like where the body, is like feeling these physical symptoms, the emotions, yeah. um, and there's it's really in the unconscious, and that's really like, like the self. And so, as again, as much as we glorify, uh, this is actually still a line I really love from Mo Gadot. He wrote in his happiness equation, and also he's like, you know, working on billion people happy since yeah. his son had passed, and he had said this beautiful thing of like, as much as we talk about like, I think therefore I am it's really i am and then i do you know like i am and then i think yeah um because like yeah. he talked about a study where people when they kind of had disconnected the thoughts they actually had done better decisions and performed better because of self we call it like our gut like they're literally our mind includes like our, our parts of our brain our spinal cord down to our gut so we say our gut says this like you have a gut feeling about something it's actually very powerful because it's like unconscious that's your unconscious. Like you can't, we can only retain like four thoughts or something at a time, like not a lot. So we have to like store away like a lot of our experience. And that's where like literally there's neurons down to our gut. So, you know, a lot of young people say, oh, like we want to have logic, like I need logic and I would not go with my gut. And it's like, it's really a balance. Like in fact, you would really always want to validate with your gut, you know? Right. Because that's like telling you something deeper, like from your larger experience and context. And, you know, the women tend to be a little better at tapping into that. I think that's sixth sense because of yeah. the nature of being, you know, men and traumatizing women, honestly. Like, probably like women needed to have this superpower <laughs> stronger because of guys being bigger, stronger, and all that. Mm -hmm. Right. Go back to evolution. Whenever you have a question of why things are the way they are, go to evolution of what it did for us to keep going. It all comes down to old school. No, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. What are a few techniques or ways? Of, I know we've been talking so much about art therapy, music therapy. A few other ways that we can control our triggers that we've been talking about. Uh, just control it or process them in a better way hmm. okay controlling our triggers so like the first thing i think of was like coping skills right like so you're saying i guess can you give me an example of like a trigger like 
because there's like different kinds of triggers like, so. like uh we were talking about trauma people don't want to scratch to the real trauma they want to talk everything above it not beneath it so when we're mm. when someone is bothering our trigger and we've been uh. triggered yeah how, how do we uh um like it's fight or flight yeah either uh but yeah. how can you yeah. do it in a better way sorry yeah right in a better way <laughs> i missed that about new york <laughs> <laughs> like the, the constant noise and energy you should come visit <laughs> i i do need to i haven't been since many years since we moved away yeah i have to go back i'm going to take my kids actually we made a plan to take them for sledding hopefully there'll be snow yeah uh in the winter uh so this time it's going to be real bad snow really okay good that like i'll actually like wish for it sorry <laughs> for you new yorkers who don't want snow <laughs> this weekend is going to be the first it's good minus the driving part the in the slippery and the mushy and dirty i guess there are a lot of things not to like about yeah. cleaning the car the, not the good stuff though <laughs> <laughs> No, but the sledding part's a good part. Oh yeah, and just the feel of Christmas. <laughs> you don't get that feel same yeah. here in Florida. Yeah, I I wish, I I wish I was in Florida during December, January. Oh, uh, oh gosh, maybe we can or, switch for a week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll switch for. But a week. you can let, let me know if you plan to get yeah. your family. I'd be more than happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh. So, like the trigger. how do you uh it comes out as anger most of the times mm-hmm. but the usually fight because mm-hmm. we don't want to show that we are feared or so how do we process it how do we control it mm. that's this is a good question so i would say say like uh your partner cheated on you right like if any time you you see them talking to someone off the sex of say they cheated with someone off too you would maybe have trigger like anxiety come up or get angry right. and it would seem like an overreaction right at the time because like it's like oh i'm just talking to this other lady who asked me a question but right. it might this is actually what happens to people all the time like there's as i said 90% of how people operate is unconscious so the idea that we try to do in therapy is to bring that to the conscious like this is why like it's not about this situation it's about something that happened before mm-hmm. and so then to be able to communicate that healthy in a healthy manner is the key right because yeah. what's what would happen is like the person would overreact and yell or they would and then you know the person say no they get defensive and then it would create like a fight and then it could create toxicity uh and you know you have elements of this happen too right like yeah. say someone was sexually assaulted sorry trigger warning sexually assaulted then like they're having to have trouble with intimacy but and sometimes they will what we call turn passive into active they will become like the woman become like the man yeah. and like they will be in lots of like uh you know what do we call it but just superficial relations yeah. they would actually prefer that to hear that all the time like because it's like they would not be as hurt or they can kind of be in control whereas before they felt lack of control like they're doing something to feel in control um and you know now they also they don't feel like this they they're they just feel like it's their body like they don't have the emotional nothing about the emotional numbness of created that happens with PTSD again uh so of course going, going to therapy and like bringing these things 
forward or, and talking about them or, or would be good, right? Like, so you can, we can process it yeah. in the right way. And there's, as I said, several types of therapies that can then help. Um, but, you know, I would say the biggest thing is communicating. Yeah. Like, then there, there is a little trick from therapy that people could do for themselves. I think that even I learned in my own therapy, to be honest, because like every good mental health provider should be seeing their own therapist. And I did certainly since I was in residency. Uh, it makes you understand like what it's like to be on that side of the couch, you know, that yeah. other side on the couch. <laughs> also, like you learn what works and what doesn't and can test things, you know, like with yourself. And also, of course, it just make your life better because we have so many blind spots for ourselves. We can't treat ourselves or family, as, as I said. Uh, so, but one thing I learned that really helped from a therapist, uh, Rose, is when you, you feel she didn't necessarily say it this way. I think I would kind of put something together with what she said. But what it, what she would do, which was very good therapy, experiential, is when the person would feel a certain way in their body, like even if you're talking about the situation that happened, right? right. Like you see your boyfriend, he's talking to other girl, for instance, that one. Like you're angry. So like even talking about it in the therapy, she would kind of stop and say, how are you feeling your body right now? Like, so you can do this for yourself. Like, check in. What am I feeling? This is how anxiety feels to me. So when we say cognitive behavioral therapy, we're talking about like a triangle, thoughts, cognitions, behaviors, actions, but also the physical symptoms of your body, the behaviors of those physical symptoms, and then mood, like whether it's anxiety or depression. So these are interrelated. And so on the body side, what you feel, this will then create create a thought and then it'll be related to anxiety. Like a lot of anxiety is body in the body, right? The fight or flight is turned on. And then people with PTSD, it's hard to turn it back off. Because yeah. we are like have this for survival reasons to flip it up, mm -hmm. flip the switch when it's time to run. It's everything to run, right? Like your heart beats fast, breathe fast, shallowly, your muscles get tight, that's so you can get like sore, like your neck hurts yeah. if you have too much prolonged stress. Long. It's just too long. Yeah, tight. Uh, you, you know, stomach issues, GI issues, because it could be not diarrhea, IBS, like diarrhea constipation, because just nauseous butterflies, right? Because it's like, you're not in rest and digest. All the blood is shunted to your heart to pump your muscles to run from the saber tooth tiger, like evolution again for survival. And now what happens when you have a trauma is this is just flipped on like most of the time. It's hard to flip it off, this, this fight or flight. Like to get to rest or digest, so then you get prolonged issues yeah. and stress and medical conditions. So what what happens is, so you, you know, just talking about this situation, thinking about it, you think, okay, you check in with yourself. That's called mindfulness. So to me, I think this is maybe a strategy I semi created based on lots of things, but it seemed to work for me at least. So like, check in with yourself. Like, this is what I'm feeling. Mindfulness, and then, and that's okay. Like, show self compassion. Like. That's a key part of that is to not judge it. Just this is what I'm feeling. Right. This anxiety feels like this uh, or if I'm down, like sad, it feels like this. And just kind of like check in with that. Now ask yourself, so there's the cognitive, which is just the here and now, like what's my thought and we can reframe it. But like to go deeper, where did this thought come from? Like, what does this feel like, like experientially? Like that's psychodynamic therapy to peel back the layers and really help peel those defenses. And this actually has longer than cognitive behavioral therapy maybe not on the symptoms as quick evidence-based, but like longer gains of like on relationships to reduce defenses. So you would ask yourself like, what does this feel like? Okay, this 
often there's some like early childhood experience or like if it was like a cheating affair it'd be like remembering that situation and sometimes there was previous also before yeah. that so you would kind of go to the earliest ones and often that's like with your with at school or your parents right or, or guardians mm -hmm. and you would say okay this feels a lot like when you know i was eight and okay let's say for this example you felt betrayed by like your mom took your sister's side or something like there's a similar feeling of like betrayal and so now like it would be you would say okay what do you see okay see your early self like see your early thought no i know i'm not saying you've been in these situations but like see your early your six-year-old bob now like what do you see right. and like you would describe it and you would see her she's sad she's not feeling she's being betrayed she's feeling rejected love like this right. you, know, you know sad like hurt it's coming out as anger uh and then you would say like all right what would you want to tell her and it would say you would say something like you know you didn't deserve that like you are lovable uh you are good enough like that was that person you know made a mistake or that person's problem because their insecurity or want to build their ego whatever right like it wasn't about you like you are good enough you don't deserve that and like i love you you know that kind of thing and then you know now feel you feel like that inner child like it's healed a little bit uh because like what's re reacting is this is this past memory getting triggered so you're kind of healing that memory emotionally and that really has a lot of gain in therapy but i really feel like it's something that a lot of most i think people could do for themselves if you really think you know spend some time in quiet be bored and like get to <laughs> into yourself and like what but I think most of us have this really this memory these these memories stand out to us uh because they're and in this one way we heal PTSD is to like fill in the gaps of these memories like what's the context of it the full narrative like like just by what I said like in a way like well he had like insecurities from his childhood right. and you're showing him empathy like you know in a way of like it wasn't about you it was him and like you did uh, did the right things and you know you're kind of putting in the whole context and then when you have exposure like so going full circle cognitive behavioral therapy when you have exposure like see see something over and over let's talk and you face your fear over and over it gets almost boring this this narrative yeah and you can it then no longer has that power over you so you can put down that like weights of like trauma that are like shackles that are holding you down you know you could put them up and that's kind of one way is and then also reframing those thoughts you had that are like distorted of like shame, like I'm not good enough or I did something wrong. And, and sometimes it's because of what other people have told you and have to be reframed. And again, it's not to make, and you know, it's nothing wrong with anger per se, but you don't want to of course hold on to it. But sometimes you have to have that initially to even, you don't want to be afraid of anger because otherwise you would be, you would not even want to go there to like make it better. Yeah like it that's the way to get better and it's like any grief any it's not just death it's like any transition any big change whether yeah. it's like you know school work relationship death it could be any of these like you're just changing your health like there's a grief even if it's just saying like i'm depressed like there's people get secondary depression or secondary anxiety like they're depressed about being depressed or anxious about being anxious you almost have to have a grief like you have to almost process it 
to go there into the darkness, so to speak. Yeah. And then that's the only way to get, as we say, to the other side, the tunnel is through it. You can't go around it. Uh, but the people who try to just bury things under the rug, then they will continue to have like, overreactions and explosions and or internalize it as panic attacks. Either externalizing like that yeah. or and acting out or internalizing it, right? Like depression, anxiety, symptoms, people pleasing. So that you have to really like go there to be able to heal it and know that that actually will make you stronger. And that's, that's strong to be able to do that, not weak. Is it okay to do it, uh, to do it by yourself or do you need a therapist with you to guide you and say the right words or just motivate you or you're good? I think it depends on the severity, right? I think, honestly, I think everyone would benefit from therapy. Correct. Because like everyone's got like stresses <laughs> and like blind spots. Mm -hmm to themselves and like really therapy is about getting the maximal health to go to the first question. Yeah. Uh, how can you not just reduce your symptoms of depression, anxiety, like not everyone has like some symptoms, right? Yeah. But severe for like a depressive or anxiety disorder or ADHD, but like they have stress, they have self-defeating beliefs often, mm -hmm. whether it's like perfectionism or like spotlight effect, like mind reading you know just different things that kind of affect them uh we all have some and it's just human and and the, to be the best version of yourself right to be self-actualization maslow said was the highest you know aim and that was really to like know yourself and yeah. then try to become all you can be right so a lot of that knowing getting to know yourself fully like i don't think anyone could do that on their own as well as they could with a good therapist right right because like it's there's too many blind spots you have to yourself and it's just like having a good teacher for yourself and a coach it's a coach like an accountability thing like people won't do that on their own either like they won't do that the heavy work and they and you also need to be pushed like a good with a good teacher a good mentor like a good coach right like just like anything you know the guide will get you further and even for like like transcendental meditation, a proven meditation technique, like there's a guide. Even if you go do psychedelic therapy, like in Costa Rica, Ayahuasca, there's a guide. Yeah. So you need someone to do the integration with you they, to make sense of what's happening because you're going to only see it in your way that's distorted with bias. Yeah. And the same way it'd be hard to work with your family or someone close to you. They're too close to you. Like, so you can't, so the Freudian, in psychotherapy was about let me provide like a blank slate so i could kind of reflect back back to you a mirror like objectively so i do think the psychedelic therapy i've noticed like really because of that ego disintegration does allow people to almost see themselves from a fifty thousand foot bird's eye view in an interesting way so that's another reason i think it works so well uh while also increasing this feeling of connection, which is what it's all about to heal the depression, loneliness, epidemic and stuff, especially if you want to talk about that, that's a big one. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, you really do need a guide in some form and therapist, but not everyone of course has the same degree of, of symptoms or, or problems, right? Or challenges. Right. Some are doing like, everyone's biologically wired different too, in terms of like neuroticism, like, how much thoughts and worries they have. And then you got like the, the experiences they've had and, you know, even 
so there's a lot like that's not all free will you know that was like definitely that out of our control that happens and we're just trying to make the most of it after that but i would i don't think anyone could really do as good as they could with a good therapist with their introspection work and growth what do you think is sympathizing with your partner like you said if we understand what's going on actually what happened and just sympathizing even with their bad behavior what's the difference between that sympathy and actually being in a toxic relationship it's a good question i would say obviously it's a tricky situation uh, uh which is an individual decision about if it's toxic or not but i'll try to kind of create some bound boundaries to if i can the best i can um i would say if the person is okay yeah i would say no matter what even if you broke up with them or not right like in this this partner let's say in this situation uh because a lot of people have had these situations happen so you would still want to ultimately not like hate them you would want to be like what led them because kind of controversial but often there it takes two you would want to see what did i do that contributed to this like what did i not see there were often red flags you might have been drawn to this toxic relationship because of your past that you need to heal still otherwise you would just go to another toxic relationship mm -hmm. right so it's like wherever you go there you are there's a saying so you would take yourself again and that's what we were talking about earlier with repetition compulsion mm -hmm. so but you would still want to see like so you would forgive because holding on to hate and anger because you see people after divorces or you know breakups uh, they would be like bitter for like decades right. and never move on and it's like not healthy like right and so they could have like how much different positive like loving years could they have had you know yeah. because of holding on to that resentment and it almost like becomes their identity or something uh interestingly that can happen with people with their with mental health like it become their identity yeah. which is rather than something they, they want to heal um and so so you but if you kind of continue to go back and not try to work on it and make it better then i would say that would be toxic and and like insanity as we say right, right? like right. trying to do the same thing and have a different result yeah I'd say if they continue to do that and it continues to make you lose self-respect or like you're, it's because some people are, like I said, like bringing themselves to want something like this because it happened to them in their childhood, not, not consciously, but unconsciously, like it's familiar to them or they don't feel like worthy of like a healthy relationship yeah, or something like that, you know? And, but they would usually their self-esteem would continue to drop and because, you know, feeling not not enough betrayed this trauma it's really like a trauma a ptsd that could come from it and if they're not like kind of going to counseling and trying to like actively make this better yeah. then they're going to continue to wear on them and if they're doing saying for kids the kids eventually going to pick up on this tension this energy in the house like it's going to be more damaging than helpful even though normally like being to having you know two parents is better for the children yeah. but if it's like if it's toxic like that, where the energy is negative like that, there's resentment and bitterness, then it's going to be uh, worse for them, right? Because they're picking up all that energy. And they're also observing, like, this is what intimacy looks like. Like, this going to 
often lead. That's where a big reason there's less young people wanting to get married these days. They say because there's so many kids of divorce or seen like these problems happen, you know, in their family. So it kind of made them lose faith in the institution, unfortunately, which which is tend to be the best institution for child rearing right. is to have like the two parents, you know, traditionally mom and dad, but it, it could be, you know, any LGBTQ parents too. Uh, and then having that makes them feel safe if that's solid. Yeah. And so that, that, that intimacy, that unconditional love between the two parents actually is, helps the children so much, makes them feel safe. And uh, I'll, t I'll I'll go, I'll give a John Gottman kind of high yield uh, item because he was like the biggest researcher for relationships. He studied all the relationships and he has so many books and YouTube video, TED Talk that has so many views about what led to relationships to work and not work. So he just studied thousands and you know, have several of his books and it's used often in couples therapy. There's Gottman trained uh, couples therapists, even like a whole brand of that. So what he found was the biggest thing that determined like if the couple stay together or not, and it was a good relationship or not, they felt still in love or not after decades was the amount of bids or calls that, that the partners gave. So bids or calls are like, anytime someone reaches out, says something or does something like make some gesture to the partner, like, do they validate it? Right. So now they say agree with everything. Right. Like, but, but just at least acknowledge it and respect yeah. it. Like I could say like the sky is blue right now, it's dark night and you don't have to say, oh yeah, okay, it's blue. Like, but if you say, look, oh, look at this idiot. Like, you know, that's gonna be not answering the bid. If you say, oh, okay, that's interesting. What makes you say that? Like that would be answering a bit, even though you don't agree. So you still should be open and honest and respectful as you say always, but to like be respectful like that and just paying attention to the other partner going back to kind of the pride skills, yeah. the same ideas of like, it's just attention, you're seen, you're appreciated, basic things, but are like easier said than done in the sense of like, when you get busy, yeah. it's easy to get, what about my, like I'm not getting enough praise. And this is what you see, like that leads to break up divorce eventually, death by a thousand cuts, this disconnection over time. So he said, he saw that 80% of the bids or calls were answered in the successful relationships. And it was like the opposite, like 20, 40% when they weren't, didn't do, they didn't stay together. It wasn't, and they broke up. It was her divorce. It was, that was really the biggest factor. Right. So, so it was about paying attention to the other person right. and like listening and basic things, you know, but reflecting back and really paying attention, being active listener and like listening in a very distracted world today can be, of course, like a very, like a superpower again, being an active listener. As long as you're working on each other and the relationship, it's not toxic anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think, yeah, absolutely. I would say like, are they w working on themselves? Because often it's not, not like the, each individual has to do their own work. Right. And then there's like the work between each other. And this, this is actually the best. Again, this is like some couples say, oh, we are together all the time, but that could actually be very unhealthy, codependent yeah. almost like the best is like, all right, with your time you're together, it's even better. But like you each have your own friends and your own hobbies and your own 
stuff, you know, too. So it's really like, like this combination of individuality plus we're together, better together. And there is sometimes like absence, you know, makes the heart grow fonder as far as like not being together all day. This is what we saw a lot, especially since like the pandemic, yeah. working to working at home like there's a lot of fighting there was a record number of divorces like i know a lot of the divorce attorneys around like the community they would tell me like during the 2021 2020 2021 like you'd see like record divorces because of all the time together at home right. and like so i was worried that it's a big ass to say like live together with someone for like 80 years and so it takes like some you know some like love gurus, coaches, the one that really, that was one big founder for uh, match. I think Dr. Ruth, like she said she lived in a separate place. She was like, you know, fortunate to be able to have that privilege, like to live in a separate place from her husband or not her husband, but her boy, her boyfriend, a longtime boyfriend now, uh, because like it would keep the spark more when they would be together and stuff like that. So there's like, you know, yeah. something to finding the happy balance, like most important things between not ever being apart, or I mean, not, you know, not being together all the time and not being apart all the time, right? Like just finding that happy medium that works for you guys. Yeah. So the norm of taking a break is actually healthy and not unhealthy. <laughs> a break for how long? <laughs> <laughs> not talking about personal experience, but I've just heard my friends say, no, we don't want to take a break because it's only going to tear us apart. And I'm like, uh, uh, you should actually try taking a break. And it, I, I didn't tell the term like how long, but at least until you have settled into your new apartment or you have focused on your career and that's good enough space that you're giving each other to breathe. So you can uh, settle in and then come back stronger. So Interesting. Okay. So you're saying like within staying with, as a relationship, they both agreed upon it. I think that's the key is the communication, yeah. ultimately. Like, cause you see all types of relationships these days right. that are acceptable. And obviously, you know, some are more successful than others in, in some ways, but, you know, talking about like traditional monogamous relationship, and then you have like more the polyamory and just other types of relationship, open relationships and so on uh, these days. But, which is actually going, to more like how it was primitively again we think about evolutionary psychology uh so, so what i would say is like if they the key is there's a there's a communication they both agree upon it right and that's because everyone's different and you would be honest and transparent with each other uh and then you know so do if you're saying there's a break, like defining that, because otherwise, I don't know if you watch Friends, but you know, otherwise you could have a Ross Rachel situation. We were on a break uh, and having this back and forth thing. And then they took them decades, I think at least a decade to get together, it seems. But like because of this thing. But, uh, you know, right. I think that's, that's key is just like have that communication piece. And, uh, but yeah, having, like your own hobbies your own friends and trust is important right like there'd be a trust that if my partner went out with their buddies or they had like a you know girls night or guys and they could be faithful to me and you won't have to be there the whole time and because if you aren't then what kind of relationship is this like you're just 
it's it's um it's it's just like almost not helpful to you at that point it's like causing you more stress and damage it's and it's again it's like a part of your need for control in right. fact like it has to be some level of again serenity for acceptance like i can't control what anyone says does but if i bring my best self to this relationship make myself the best i can be and show up then i'm more likely to get the other person to want to also huh. if you know and if not like they need to work on themselves if it's a problem like that like or it's just not meant to be like it's not for whatever reason right uh, so those are kind of the biggest points i guess i had another one for couples but it, it kind of slipped my mind now <laughs> it'll hopefully come back to me let's circle back to it couples of a couples therapy is very interesting it could be it's it's because people are playing out their child like you have to go start with their family yeah they're bringing again like the roles they had in those families their trauma they're bringing it to this relationship right. and we call it like the transference the unconscious feeling you have to someone mm -hmm. it often you see it again when you have kids like again like you would be feeling to the child to the to your parent to the spouse like they sometimes it's a similar feeling and not always the same sex like not always mom wife daughter it could be dad wife son. you know they could be but it's like the feeling you get with them and so you'll play out again you will seem like an overreaction or but it's really because you're responding to them like because you're responding to the other what it feels like unconsciously yeah unconsciously yeah yeah so so that's very important to pick up and realize like oh when i touch them on the you know like i i kind of uh, made it touch on them like i kissed them like and they kind of uh like it's not a rejection of me like you know again it can remind you of something from the past like that's why it seems like more mm -hmm. it's not and it you know because that could happen to people or or uh you know just other kind of situations that come up like so frequently like and and it's important to set time to like talk and communicate and even have conflict but do it healthy you don't want to do it with like toxicity of like cursing each other and yelling like how can we do make it healthy like how, checking in with each other and knowing you're not going to agree on everything right. but like we're going to respect each other and hopefully have like similar values at least and those are the kind of the main things do you think it's important to hold on to your past at least up because we're trying to heal and move forward but we should also look at the past and what how we grew up how who i am today is because of what i was and what situations i saw so what's the right amount of moving forward but holding on to your past yeah that's a really good question because it's so true that you don't want to live in the past because yeah. that's just like depression right. or anxiety and, and, and you're going to live in the future you want to live in the present to have a better future mm -hmm. but we have to look at the past because it's just like history so we don't repeat the things we don't want repeated and also like because these experiences like formed us to understand ourselves and to understand others we look at the past of how you know we got to be the the way we are so then we can uh i mean first of all like so we don't overreact to situations going forward we 
can we might not respond appropriately we would have like a reaction but we can kind of quickly mindfully okay you know take a breath deep breath and then recognize like okay this isn't about this it's about that past thing so the more you get to know yourself the more you'll in your past the more you'll like kind of be able to process those things right. Right. so i had a therapist uh dr barcy great guy he's just an analyst and you know years back and he told me something that was great he was like he's like when you have a regression as, a, as an adult when you or it could be like a, you know older teen or uh, older kiddo if you have a regression like not acting like the father the the husband the yeah. you know the professional you are or you know fill in the blank for you for you uh it's because there's something that was left unprocessed from childhood and it's so true like i you know i was trying to like find exceptions and like there couldn't find any because it was always like oh okay like i'm over, i'm responding to that in this way because of this past thing and it's often with your parents or like early childhood experiences because a lot of your personality is formed at those zero to yeah. six yeah. and so like without going back there you would continually just be reacting to things and not knowing why and just continuing to self sabotage mm -hmm. it's yeah. only by being able to like identify those causes that make you less ignorant to yourself and like not reactive but responsive and you're going to have healthy relationships and just better decisions and this person is like a stoic and just a good leader and so on, you know and you can actually be the the husband the father the the professional or the, the wife the the mother the the you know uh professional you are like live up to your highest potential it's only because you've processed all those like touch points in the past that contribute to where you have uh uh regressions currently you would prevent those like acting out at least you would act out and cause and and you know cause yourself self-sabotage damage yeah because you the relationship well, would the gut be playing a role in the uh, in the memory like you were uh telling me before that the gut it'll store all the memory that you have so healing would it also be related to the gut would the gut also feel that you're healing and you're doing better and now you can move forward without repeating or at least feeling those things as in intensively as you did in the past yeah yeah i would say so um i have to think about this for a second <laughs> the gut involved in healing yeah i mean in a sense of like if you are able to like again what does this feel like then you can get into that unconscious and that's like stored in the gut but you will have a gut it's interesting like i think here's how i look at it you will have a gut reaction to a situation and you might react but like it's 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 good to look at why because you want to then look at it with your brain which is god gives us this tool to look at things and see like Logic. uh right. like what is this right or wrong right like this is just a tool to, to use um so you could then investigate like oh am i reacting because of some trauma i had in the past uh or am i you know is that my gut telling me that and like this actually happened a couple of days ago one, one patient of mine 
and like he's very successful and the wife is too and you know the family neither his families were very tight-knit growing up and now they're like in their 40s and they're wanting he you know he's like i'm good like they're successful they can travel wherever whenever they both very successfully monetarily and everything but like they're not have very tight families with their like family origins and they don't know if they want to have this kid yet and it's like all right they're in their 40s now so it's like you know they're going to probably use uh science to, to make it happen like ivf or, or something unless they're lucky you know kind of thing right. uh based on the testing so one question i had for him and so i think you these are just things you have to pose yourself you can journal about it reflect on it at the beach or the mountains or in your meditation or just in the shower sometimes right things come to you when you're less thinking about it yeah it's like do you think you're do you think you're not uh wanting kids because you didn't grow up in that right family that where you go into disney world and you were having the young brother like i had like where i was like i know i want to be that because you had that experience uh or like if you had grown up a different family you would like is that enough reason to not do it or do it you know what i mean like is it should you be making the decision based on the past you had like you know it's not the worst thing in the world like kids are actually oh on average they're said to make happiness go down <laughs> for a relationship because like you can't go travel whenever you want you know but it depends how you look at it right like i think the meaning and the purpose yeah. part like yeah i don't think I'll, I'll go with the jordan peterson hopefully your audience you know don't too much uh hate me for this but like a jordan petersonism of like we shouldn't be optimizing for happiness we should be optimizing for meaning and purpose because happiness is too low of a bar like because things like that like you would make you less happy to like be up all night take care of your baby yeah. and rather than being able to just go travel with your partner to like bora bora <laughs> but and, you know and deal with their colds and their flus and all the things and and you know it doesn't stop of course with different kind of things but like you'll never have the meaning of like passing on you know legacy uh rate of raising good kids that we then take go in the next generation and yeah. so on right like yeah. uh and also and also like just being able to you know it's like an evolutionary thing again right like be a part of that yeah. uh like that could be one of the biggest purposes you have right so but one of the things was like he had said he had had a good experience teaching kids like as a coach or mentor and so like that was rewarding and why and like okay and so like just trying to figure out like what are the things that are little as you could do this because you didn't have those experiences growing up and this kind of applies to lots of things how could you test like if you would like it because you didn't have that experience before so you don't know it that you're gonna like it right. but because it, a lot of fathers and moms too i'm sure like it's like once the baby's born they're like oh my god like mostly like they're like oh my god like this changed my whole life for the better yeah. but like you know and some were like oh god like this this is so hard and you know what i mean so it's like you want to test things just like if you have a job your, your career path you're trying to go for you want to shadow in it you want to test yeah. it first so you can downsize your risk especially for something so big and important so i think like how your gut feels like then you'd want to investigate it and be like okay why does it feel this way is it because of some trauma i had and that's keeping me from doing something that could be beneficial to me now like getting on the stage and giving a speech 
that could be very helpful to me and in, in my cause and career, you know, and, and doing good for the world. Like if I'm talking about uh, like mental health, how to improve it in the world. Like if I'm not going on that stage because I had a bad experience, which I did, like my first time I got on the stage and danced, when I did dancing growing up, like getting on the stage, the first time I was stage fright. If I let that stop me, then because my gut's like, no, like, you know what I'm saying? So, so I think there's some things you got to like process and work through and you got to look at like what those are um, because of what you value. Right. I would very much like to see the Cindy dance though. That you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We definitely had the Punjabi, Cindy, all different type of Indian dance. It was just yeah. Bollywood. Yeah. Done Bhangra dance. Even our wedding dance was like a good, like a Punjabi, yeah. um, what do you call it? Like the Bhangra Empire kind of dance. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's very fun. I retired my dance shoes, <laughs> I'd like to say, but uh, maybe you could find some of that old footage somewhere. Okay. In some camcorders. I'm talking then. <laughs> still around, mom. <laughs> destroy them <laughs> okay you have any um last words of advice for all of us ah uh, gosh so many okay <laughs> i would say live in the world in the present try your best like make sure as much as responsibilities we have you know try to i would say try therapy if you're wanting to learn more about why you act you know, why you respond to certain things the way you do, like get a therapist that you click with and vibe with. If you don't like it, you know, it's, it's just like you find the right fit, you know? If you if it's not the right fit, don't just, a lot of people say, oh, I'm gonna go away from therapy. And and it's so clear that they could benefit from it, but they just hadn't have a good experience with that yeah. one. So it's like, you know, there's lots of places you can get on Psychology Today, Google, you can contact me. I'll try to help you in any way if you need on that, on Instagram. Instagram, I'm at, at uh, Dr. Enhanced Psych, a D-R-E-N-H-A-N-C-E-P-S-Y-C-H. And then my LinkedIn's like Raj Langani, L-O-U-N-G-A-N-I. Uh, you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, yeah, biggest advice I would have would be to, yeah, be in the present, like make sure you're spending time exercising, try to sleep well, eat well, basic things, uh, you know, value relationships. Like again, from the psychedelic experience, people recognize like this is what it's all about, love and connection. And so after like character, it's like relationships. And this is the quality, determines the quality of your life. And when we go into people's unconscious, like the texture of their mind shows this like consistently that this, because we're all like interconnected. Yeah, We're all individual, the unique stars and we're also interconnected uh as one and so when you recognize this when you have an experience like that if you're interested reach out to me out uh we could talk about uh, ketamine or their psychedelics I'm, i could talk about this stuff all day and night honestly how long have we been going by the way i could talk about this all day and night and i do frequently uh, because i love it so much but uh we probably need to do another one there's so much more to say but <laughs> which i think applies to like people all the time like all over and because psychology is just, like so fascinating yeah um but i would say 
you know, have those in-person relationships, put down your phone, you know, look them in the eye, like, because it's good for you, it's good for the relationship and, and your mental health. And then, you know, just because you've been through some tough stuff doesn't mean it's the, it's, it's like a thing to hold you down. Yeah. Like everything's mindset. So it's like, this stuff's happened to me. Like, again, get help. Like, come get help. Call a mental health professional. Uh, you know, you can start, obviously, call, you know, parent, teacher, a friend, a sibling, uh, and so on. Like, and then, but hopefully, eventually, get to the right help where you can, like, sort through what's happened to you, process it, and learn from it and grow because it could be your biggest actually superpower and you know we always have a choice of like we don't control our thoughts some people think say have positive thoughts i don't think we can like control our thoughts as i said it's like like if i ask you what's your favorite ice cream like what's your favorite ice cream my favorite what's ice your favorite ice cream yeah no i mean between vanilla and chocolate <laughs> okay did you choose that thought or did it just like pop up? I think I chose it. You did? did? Okay. I mean, like if you asked me my favorite movie, I, like first thing was like Braveheart. Like I don't even think about it. It's just like a natural like reaction. And it's like a lot of neurons, a lot of different things happening on a biological level. Right. Okay. But I was going to say, it, because I'm not, I'm not such a sweet tooth. <laughs> so I was thinking. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Red. <laughs> just the wrong question. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go. See, like, it's like, you don't think about it. You just choose it you know yeah okay or, or i mean you don't think about it you, you don't choose it it just comes so like but then you choose your action right like it's you always control how you respond to a situation as you like is it's a cliche it's like trope really it's like you don't the quality of your life is not different by what happens to you but how you respond yeah. so these traumas that have happened these tough things like you know show empathy to others because everyone's going through something right and what we find like some traumas uh you know we're not comparing but you know try to live, live your life don't compare that's key uh you know we always look to the up and to the right like above us like but that's where you feel unhappy it's just like we just kind of the puzzle no one's like looking back and be like oh i'm actually got more than all these people in this this way yeah. like it's always like not enough and that's just like part of the human condition which is like an interesting thing that I could, we could take a whole hour on, on itself of like happiness versus ambition. It's like, if you had no expectations, you would be happy. But like, and people that are successful tend to have ambition, like, so kind of uh, one thing I would say there is like, put an ambition just slightly above where you're at. Uh, you know, like, and so you can meet it. And you know, if you fall short, of course, you try your best and you still move forward or you learn something and you grow and then that'll lead to success ultimately. If you keep trying, you don't quit. So that's the, kind of the biggest things. Take responsibility for your life. Like that itself helps your happiness, saying internal locus control. Yeah. And there gonna be a lot of people saying like you're a victim of this and that, and that could be like a part of the ego to do, like to externalize. But as we all know, like when we are with people who are like, no, it's my fault, like uh, uh, my bad. like. I'm responsible and they they're the only the ones that change their life and right. change things in the world you know and we respect those people so that's a big one i'd say and uh, and just give people love you know like uh especially your family obviously your friends like 
you go halfway, be open, honest, respectful, and you'll mostly get good back, right. you know, and, and, and set boundaries if you, if you've been hurt, you know, and, uh, and just keep yourself safe and such. Like you do sometimes on the flip side, do set boundaries because you learn from those lessons from the past again, why we look at the past. So we can learn those lessons and grow from it and heal. So there's a lot of tough stuff going on. I'm actually going to be volunteering to help in Israel. Had a meeting today about it, about all the... To hear. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, they might need like PTs and other providers for sure. Like they have physical medicine, like you work with a lot in rehab there, trauma surgeons and forensic pathologists which tell you all you need to know i mean i know about all the trustees happening in the middle east uh you know so gaza and israel like there is a need and so i'll probably be doing like zoom meetings because those therapists have had just generations of trauma Definitely. uh you know going back to the holocaust even before that just from both sides and so you know it's a time i think of like love like having empathy yeah. uh you know be the change i guess Yes, can't change the world. Some people we need to need to take a new news detox, like a news yeah. break. Like we say, sleep hygiene before bed. Like screen hygiene, make sure again we're having in person conversation. But sometimes if you're stressed, like take a break from social media, take a break from news. You know, read the facts because like a lot of our thoughts, like they monetizing fear and weaponizing it up, and like with politics or the news. Uh, these emotions, these strong emotions, even the algorithms like control for those, right? So it's important to re recognize like what's in our control, serenity prayer. And, uh, you know, it's good to care about bigger causes, but always keep in mind, first take responsibility for what you control yourself and then, you know, with the family and so on and build from there. Um, right. And remember the truth idols and the false idols again like family friends faith which doesn't have to be just god again it could be like spirit spirituality it could be just believing in you know things outside your life because it would be pretty monotonous and boring if it was just your our lives yeah. only after a while and then like uh, work and you know even if it's volunteering or just finding purpose in some way even if you're retired uh finding things you can do to keep yourself occupied like and sometimes that's you like we're not people are meant to be alone that's the thing there's a loneliness epidemic happening yeah especially with boys a lot of reporting not having any friends more than ever uh it's and so like as, as connected as we are as ever there's like a loneliness epidemic happening uh what a like a mentor my mentor is patrick that day was talking about it yesterday uh, uh had a whole thing on it and this is like every day you'll see different things about this uh, if you look on youtube uh and it's just like that's the depression anxiety like isolation loneliness in itself creates changes in the brain that are uh increased areas of anxiety and depression so making sure to stay connected and not all you know not always have to be with people 24 7 but finding that balance where there's some solitude quiet time boring <laughs> uh you know uh journaling art cooking yeah. creative outlets are always good music uh just meditating exercise like those things and uh yeah those are kind of some of the big ones that came to my mind yeah. first and just be kind to others and respectful
let's do that. That, <laughs> that is so much needed. I am so happy that you are going to be helping people in Israel, given what situation they're going through. And at this time, uh, where they need people like you to talk, just to talk, just to communicate. And um, the, the smallest thing is going to help. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like in Gaza, and they, they just have to have the NGOs, the non-government organizations cooperate with U.S. Like, so they take a little longer just because of the way our nations are politically. But Israel, like, they they're very appreciative of the help. So if there's other like physicians and probably the other allied health professions, I just know more physicians. They would they're very appreciative of the volunteers because we're talking to the interior um, defense you know, over there, and they're making emergency orders to kind of have that help and it saves a lot of lives right now and the thing that's we're all the world's watching and um, um you know i know you got a lot of healthcare providers work uh watch your show so anything you do to help, help i think h1 is a really good place to start if you look them up uh, new york they kind of have uh, uh a lot of connections to, to the middle east to to make that happen so um because those those therapists over there like in my field but even the other doctors they're like overwhelmed they they themselves are having PTSD, have ptsd and they're like helping people have been through the worst atrocities so just for all the middle east like we all want you know peace for them yeah. and uh to try to help them through and because they're going to be like resulting tra speaking of trauma right so much yeah. uh for thousands thousands of people so but it's happening all over yeah. the world Definitely. so yeah yeah so i think this is a great feel for anyone that really is has that heart and empathy and wants to wants to help people in this way like to give psychology give psychiatry a look as well yeah for the young that, people that you are going to be inspiring so many people who are into Thanks. mental health mental health and mental fitness and i hope that they um, are educated enough that they can help others go through what they're going through and in a healthier way. And we always ignore mental health, which is not supposed to be ignored. It's supposed to be talked about and worked on. So that's one big change that I'm, I am seeing in our generation. And I am so glad that there are people like you to support it and um, just guide us in a very educated, healthy way. That's more important. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and talking and Thank you, Bob. about mental health and fitness. I really am so grateful. This was one of the best lectures that I've ever uh, had the opportunity to uh, speak with or just to conduct. So thank, thank you so, so Thank you. Thank you. You asked really, really good questions. Made it very easy. Yeah. Thank you. I, I hope they were not so difficult or tricky. <laughs> My brain can... <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I just enjoy a good challenge. But yeah, no, it was, I think we covered a lot of the ground yeah. so, for a good in, initial uh, interview, or in, initial conversation. We're doing discussion. series out of this. I, I 
hear more. I want to just sit and talk and just listen to how and different ways that we can work on. And we, we need so much work and people need to sit down and listen more and work on themselves more. So we're doing more things. Thank you. I want an update on that couple that was on the break. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> I appreciate you. I hope you have a good rest of your night. You and sorry know. for keeping me up so late. No, <laughs> it, it was perfect. I'm worried about your kids. <laughs> oh, hopefully they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I will go check on them. <laughs> uh, thank you so yeah, much. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Good night. Thank you for listening to our talk about health. You can follow me on Instagram at bhavna.devnani, on Facebook at bhavna.devnani, and we'll leave all the information in the description below. Thank you.